Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined as always on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, are you a little annoyed that um, UD kind of upstaged you by kind of uh, monopolizing 305 Day? I know you were planning to make a, a big announcement. Yeah, he didn't, he also didn't have to do it at 3:05 p.m. I mean, that's yeah. He like, really like he kind of like on. I know whenever you were planning to retire, you were you were planning on making all your big announces at that exact moment. No, that was that was uh, it wasn't UD's decision. I'll say that, and we'll get to that. Uh, okay, yeah, we're gonna talk <laughs> about UD at the end bit, of this episode. But that was perfect for that to come out on March 5th at 3:05 p.m. and obviously very intentional for that to yes. come out at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk to MUD at the end. Uh, as Anthony acknowledged on Twitter, he did not announce his retirement at this point, but it kind of like I, I'd say he made it official, sort of, uh, yeah. at that moment. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. The Heat's plans to honor him at the end of this season. Um, you know, and you you talk to him uh, for a story that went up at three. What you maybe put that up at three oh six? I guess yeah. you gave it a minute. Three oh five. Yeah. No, I think three oh five actually. Yeah, a uh, story that went up in, in conjunction with all the, the Heat's announcements. So we'll, we'll we'll get to that at the end. Uh, in the meantime, we've got some basketball to talk about. Uh, we're recording Tuesday afternoon, so there is, uh, as there often is, a game between now and when uh, you'll be listening to this episode. Um, not the most convenient timing this time of year, considering how meaningful every game is in the Heat's push yeah. to get out of the play-in. Uh, as we talk now, they are... Two games back of the Nets and and kind of just fighting with the Nets now. The Knicks have gone on a big run um, and separated themselves. Look like they're going to probably grab the five seed uh, pretty safely in in that range right now. Um, So I guess let's just let's kind of set the stage for where the heat is at right now. We're going to talk about a couple of different topics, but I know you wanted to start just going big picture what there are. 18 games left is that right 16 um, games 16 left. games as left tuesday. as of tuesday so it'll be 15 by the time people listen to this or panthers have 18 games left i'm getting them mixed yeah. up um and like i said he'd have two games to make up on the nets um let, let's just start with the basics what what do they need to we talked last week about what they need to do like in terms of playing better all that kind of stuff to to kind of make a run here what, what do they need to do to get on the play? And what, what, do you have like a number you've kind of honed in on or, or how many games they need to win down the stretch here? Because um, we're, we're really getting into crunch time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle at this point. I mean, they're, like you said, they're two games back of Brooklyn uh, to get out of the play-in. Really three games because Brooklyn has the head-to-head tiebreaker. So there's right. that. Um, well, isn't so there a tiebreaker with the uh, division? division? Yeah. That's if they're tied as head-to-head. Oh, okay. That's, so that's, like, that's the second table. Oh, okay, gotcha, and, gotcha. and Brooklyn, they only play each other three times, and that Brooklyn won two of the three right. games. So that's done. Um, but uh, I'm kind of doing it as like, okay, what if Brooklyn goes 500, right? Right. Because that's the thing. We thought Brooklyn nine, was going to maybe fall off a cliff when they traded those two guys. Um, yeah, they've been fine. Yeah, they've been okay. And, they yeah, they played better lately. I think they play Charlotte on Tuesday, which game they should win, right? Like so. yeah, yeah. That they could increase that lead by the time you listen to this podcast. But let's say they go nine and nine over the final eighteen, which I think is pretty realistic, give or take a game or two, right? Yep. Um, the Heat at that point would have to go eleven and five over their final sixteen games to pass Brooklyn. It's possible. Yeah. But it's gonna be tough. Like, They've not had a lot of eleven and five stretches this year. No, no, especially with um, you know, the, 
they don't have the hardest schedule, right? I'm looking to see like no, it's right pretty, now. It's been it's, pretty high up there. I haven't looked at Tankathon in a little while, but yeah, it's, it's been it's, pretty high uh, on the list for a little while. Although it's actually come down. Now they're middle of the pack. 17th right. hardest schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, not not yeah. They don't have a super tough schedule. But they Brooklyn's do a lot actually of slightly harder. They do have but, a lot of road games coming yep. up. After these two, I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of their last four. After these two against Cleveland and this homestand, they have eight mm-hmm. of their last fourteen on the road. Um, and yeah, some of those are you know they should win, right? I think two games at Detroit. Um, but there are tough games in there. They still have to play Dallas. They still have to play Cleveland twice. They still have to play Memphis. Um, our they do have, Orlando a, Brooke- is they do have easy. a Brooklyn game, which will be a big one. As you said, they can't get the tiebreaker back, but obviously that's a, a like a two-game yeah. swing if you win that, obviously. Sure, sure. yeah. That, they, the tiebreaker, Brooklyn already clinched it. But, yes, they do have one more game left against the Nets, which will be huge. Um, but the fact is, like, the Heat have to really go on a big run here just to get out of the plane. They have any hopes at it, right? Um, you have to at least aim for 12 wins probably in, in these – 11 wins in these final 16 to have a chance. And that's hoping Brooklyn goes 9-9, which, again, they could. But if they do any better than that, then it's going to be even – you have to be even – better than 11 and five so mm-hmm. the likelihood is right now i would say is that the heat do play in the play-in right which is something we've been talking about all year will that yeah. happen will they avoid it it seems like they're on that track right now which obviously is not not ideal uh, not ideal <laughs> they not only have to win a game or two to get out of there uh but then they're either probably going to face either boston or milwaukee in the first round which that's rough so yeah I mean, um, I, I know they're not going to be thinking this way, but, you know, like if if they get to the playoffs, like, let's say they get the sixth seed and Philly comes up as the opponent. I know Philly is much better than the Heat this year, but you know right. that those guys have to feel really good if that matchup comes up. Just yeah. because of the recent history there. That's a big difference there, right? And, we and it's a big it, difference right? between Boston, Milwaukee, like yeah. settle all year long. They've kind of been, you know, 1A, 1B, and then Philly a clear, like, yeah. two, essentially. Yeah. I would definitely still pick Philly in that series, but would I be surprised if it goes six or seven games with the Heat? Probably not, right? Because we've seen Miami match up well against Philly. Um, we've seen them give James Harden and Joel Embiid issues. Jimmy Butler loves facing Philly, right? Like He always gets up for those games after their history together. Um, and, yeah, it's a big difference in facing Boston-Milwaukee where, honestly, like, is anybody going to get – predict those series to go past five games if the Heat face Boston and Milwaukee yeah. with those teams having home court? Probably not. Um, so this, yes, like championship-wise, like the Heat are unlikely to win a championship this year, right? I don't think anybody would argue that. Uh-huh. But as far as like getting out of the first round and trying to make some type of run in the playoffs, getting out of the play-in is huge. So that's why these next, you know, this next month is so important for Miami uh, and just trying to make a run to, to get to that sixth spot. Yeah. So these two games against Cleveland, obviously one which will happen is those are a big deal because those are two of their harder games left on the schedule. Yeah. You get both at home. So um, by the time you're listening to this, we might the Heat's outlook might be a little bit different. But as we have tried to make a big point of on this show, we do not like to react to single game results of this Heat yeah. team because uh, depending on any given night when you were when we talk uh, <laughs> any night when you watch the Heat, you might think uh, very differently about them. Um, it's the nature of them playing. How many? What, Anthony? Your your Mr. Clutch know. games. I, I, I don't know. What's, what's People the number are getting now? sick of it too. I think forty six. Well, it's funny because it's kind of forty six like Clutch game of the year. Yeah. It's been like a, a running joke in some ways for you on Twitter, like since pretty early in the year. 
Yeah. Um, people are, people and, are tired of it now, though. I'm getting but now I think this. it's the story of the season. <laughs> yeah. Right? It is. Um, and not necessarily – because, again, they have a pretty good record in those clutch games still. Yeah. Uh, like a, kind of better than you would – you know, like the math says yeah. you finish about 500 in those. That's, that's why they're better than 500 is because they've won right. more than they've lost. So the, I mean, the story of this team is the – like, again, we're, um, the Heat have a negative point differential, like – uh, yeah. We talk about all these easy games they have lost on their schedule. The the story with the Heat team is that basically they're like no matter who they play, the game is the same, and that <laughs> is not what good teams do, right? Like a team like Boston or Milwaukee, like when they get to play the Bulls, they beat them by 18 points, and it's right. you know it's basically been the story of the Heat season is they can beat anyone on every given night, and I still like that's I think like. They have confidence in some ways, right, because of that, because they have Jimmy Butler, because they have Bam, because Tyler Hero can win you a game on any given night, um, because the three-point shooting, they believe, I think, is still going to tick upward a little bit. Um, but the real problem is, like, they, they're they just not good enough, like, to make to pile up those easy wins, right? That's going to be, if this team finishes in the plan, it's not going to be because they, like, got killed by the Bucks and the Celtics and the Sixers and the Cavs every time they played them. It's going to be because they have like losses to the Spurs um, and Detroit the Spurs and, yeah. and Detroit yeah. and Orlando and, you know, right. like some the bad Bulls twice. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. and that, that's what the, that is what the close games tell us more than Charlotte like team, twice. more than like sometimes teams like get to finish really high in the standings. Wasn't it uh, Phoenix a couple of years ago? Like, because they're insanely good in those close games. Um, so that's one way your story, the season of your story can be close games. Another way the season of your story can be close games is if you're terrible in those close games and you feel like you were like this close to being, um, you know, quite a few games better than you were. And that's again, not the story with this heat team either. The story with this heat team is just, they played so many of them because, um, they're a very, very average team that has, a, you know, relatively high ceiling when you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, who, come playoff time turns into one of the 10 best players in the world typically. Um, but also a pretty low floor because, uh, you know, the bench has been pretty bad and, and some other factors. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's all fair. I mean, their offense just hasn't been good enough this year. We've talked about it to pull away from teams. Right. And and that's right. why they're, I mean, when yeah, you they score, have walls, right. You go up by 16 points and they can't keep the foot on the pedal or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, they they're on track to make history. That's I'm right. They're on pace right to have now. the most clo- clutch games in NBA history at this point, right? Isn't that no? The, the, the stat is the stat is, and I'm looking at it right now. They are on pace to have the most game, the be involved in the most games decided by five points or less. Okay, so it's not like the clutch it's, games; it's specifically the final score. Yeah, I think they're on pace to like have. The yeah, I mean the clutch games game probably the last like ten years long, or something. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Probably, that stat hasn't been tracked for very long, but. Yeah, yeah. It's, they already have been involved in 36 games decided by five points or less. The record was set by the Nuggets in 1977-78 with 41. So, so they just need six more out of these 16 games to set the record, which is yeah, just and right that, and right now that is the story of the season, like two thirds yeah. of the time basically. So yeah, it's yeah. the story of the season, and um, it's it doesn't explain like it doesn't explain. It doesn't explain why this team is bad, right? The, or not bad, mediocre. The reason this team is mediocre is because of all, like, the three-point shooting, the yeah. like, a bunch of things of the offense. Right. Um, but it explains 
like, explains so much about this team. Why, like, why they are where they are. Yeah, yeah like, just, like the frustrations that people have around this team. Yeah, they're 22-14 and 14 in those games decided by five points or less. So, yes, I mean, they've done well, right? And that's why, again, they're not, like, if, if they hadn't done well in those games, they might be out of the plane. So, yeah. you know, you know, I, some of that's Jimmy having Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and having a more experienced group. But some of that, too, is by chance, right? Look at Julius Randle's shot against the Heat last week. Did the Heat deserve to lose that game? Probably not. They probably should have won that game. Julius Randle, that shot, after he gets it poked away twice, twice? and bounces yeah, off his he's foot. he's pretty much shooting from, like, the third row. A fadeaway three at the buzzer. Like, the Heat probably should have won that game. They probably should be 3-1 and one on this homestand. It'd be a totally different feel around this team. But that's the that's the risk you have with playing all of these close games. That that's going to happen sometimes. Luckily for the Heat, it hasn't happened, uh, you know, as many times as maybe it could have. That's why the Heat have done well in those situations. But um, yeah, that's that's the that's why I wouldn't be surprised like if the Heat go six and ten over these last sixteen games, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go eleven and five because a lot of these games are probably going to be decided in the final minutes. Yeah. yeah, the problem though, obviously, is. When teams have those 11 and five stretches like that, usually you got some blowout wins in there, and yeah. that's how you go on a run. And, and they just haven't done that. I mean, what's you look at just like their recent schedule, and it's it's every every one of these games is pretty much close. Whether well, one by two on uh, what was that Monday night? Monday, uh, yeah. Eight they had point a blo- game, had an eight, on, had an eight, eight point, point blowout, win. right, on <laughs> over the weekend. Beat yeah. the, lose to the Knicks by two. Beat the Sixers by two, like, uh, you know, they had some ugly losses, lost to the Nets by, or sorry, it's a 10-point game, you know, lost to the Nuggets by four a couple of, uh, last week. Like, every one of these games, like, there's only in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, like, three games decided by double digits in the last, like, 12 games. Like, it's, every one of these games has been close, and... And, I, and most of the games that have been decided by double digits, they've been on the losing end of, which is, like, not a great sign. I'm just looking right now. I think they've won. Look at this, see if I'm right, but this is crazy. They've only won by more than five points once in, since, like, January 18th. And it was the Hawks' eight-point blowout <laughs> that we just alluded to. It's insane. That's yeah, almost it's two like months crazy. that they've had. They like, had a six-point win against at the Pelicans. Or, sorry, that's a blowout win. A blowout win against the Pelicans. They had like That was it. After that, game. just once. Yeah. And then yeah, eight point win against the Hawks, and then yeah, it's it's pretty Everything crazy. Everything else is by five points or less. It, yeah, I mean that's again that is the story of this team. There's and good good why. teams. Good teams don't deal with that. No, the Heat last year had a lot of double digit wins, a yeah. lot of easy wins. Um, that team was dominant in the regular season. This just hasn't been the case this year. A lot of that's because of offense. Now we can talk about like I don't want to mention it. Maybe the Heat go 5 of 30 against Cleveland on Wednesday mm-hmm. from 3. But we've been talking about, like, what? are they ever going to, like, do the opposite of regression to the mean and finally, like, Well, it still is regressing uptick. to the mean, but it's regress- regressing in the Pro- positive progressing, direction. Progressing, yes. progressing to the, to the mean. mean. That's probably yeah. the term that people should use. Yeah, yeah progressing to the mean. Um, they are now, after their best three-point shooting performance on Monday against the Hawks, they're now shooting like 40-something percent over the last three games on threes. Um, 41 of 89, 46.1 percent on threes in the last three games. That's encouraging, right? Um, if all of a sudden this team hits threes again at a 40 percent clip, maybe we have a, <laughs> maybe the outlook yeah. is different. But 
again, we just it needs to be. I feel like every time the Heat win, or even if they win two in a row, it's like, okay, do it again, do it again, because none none of this feels sustainable because they haven't really done this all year. They haven't won games like this all year where you know you're making threes and and scoring 130 points to beat the Hawks. Like, yeah, was there literally their literally their best offensive them? performance of the season? Yeah, that, like is that sustainable? I, I I have to say no because they don't really do that. That's not their identity. So it's hard to kind of. It's re- so hard to read this team because we can base it off last year because the same group and say, well, this team has done before, right? Yeah. They should be able to do that. But then this season, they haven't. So it's hard to know what's real and what's not real. Um, and that's why this is one of the most confusing seasons that I've ever covered, I think. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's confusing because the, the like reason, the answers are like so obvious too, right? Yeah. It's not like... Like, it's basically like their shooting has fallen off a cliff. Like, there's just no fix. There's no fixes, I guess, is what the problem has been. It's been all like the Heat believe in the process that they have, right? And uh, they're going to stick with it. And you can kind of like, you can understand why, right? To an extent. And I know a lot of people wanted them to make some moves in the off, more moves in the offseason or, or in the, uh, or at the trade deadline. But you can, like from the Heat's perspective, you can really understand why they trust that have trusted for 50 plus games that this was going to eventually get right. And it, but at the same time, like there's no, there's no pivot on this roster. And obviously with 16 games left, you're not going to pivot too much. Although we, we can talk about a couple, maybe we'll, let's take a quick break and we'll talk about a couple yeah. things that have maybe changed uh, in the last couple games that, that other than the three point shooting could be maybe some positive signs. Okay, uh, let's start with Caleb Martin because that was, I think, has been kind of the most fascinating player to talk about on this roster all year long. Um, other in like other than like Bam obviously becoming a star, like a legit, you know, offensive star in addition to like a two-way star that he already was. Um, but Caleb Martin, there was so much talk about who was going to replace PJ Tucker at the four. Could Caleb Martin do that? Um, well, as we've said a lot, the offensive, the starting lineup was really good when Caleb Martin was in there. Um, Caleb, and then Kevin Love comes here, he goes back to the bench. But now Kevin Love dealing with an injury. Uh, we saw a really, really good uh, Caleb Martin performance on Monday night, and the the way that he turns defense into offense, we've said a lot of times on the show for such an offensively deficient team is it's really, really important. Yeah, and look, like, Caleb Martin has been giving you positive minutes all year. To me, he's you know, the second-best player on the team, but as far as, like, relative to their contract, he's probably the second-best value player on the Heat roster, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, at least, um, I mean, Bam and, Bam and uh, Jimmy are hard to kind of argue with, right? And yeah, the, yeah. I know J- second Jimmy or third. a lot of money, but that's obviously, right. yeah. Deserved, right. But the, the, the point is, like, on a roster full of bad contracts, like, yeah, it was a good contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest difference, like the biggest difference with Caleb right now in this bench role, it's not the position. We've talked a lot about like him being undersized and playing out of position. He's still playing as a power forward in a lot mm-hmm. of these bench lineups. Like it's not like you have Bam, a power PJ Tucker, and then Caleb Martin, right? It's Caleb Martin, Bam, or Cody Zeller, and then like three Jimmy and two shooters or three shooters right. around those guys. Caleb is still playing as a 
four, quote unquote, in a lot of these lineups. To me, the difference is in the starting lineup, he had to play as a floor spacer. His role was like mm-hmm. so defined. He had to space the floor for guys like Tyler, Bam, and Jimmy, which is like such a unique unique combination, right? Like two, two of your best players don't shoot threes. Tyler is more of like a mid-range a lot. Guy. Yeah, mid-range yeah. guy. Like Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry have been in and out of the starting lineup. Like Caleb needed to be that three-point shooter. In these bench units, he's often playing alongside here, uh, Struess or Duncan Robinson. Like right. last night, he was playing a lot with Duncan Robinson. He doesn't have to play that role. He's taking fewer threes, more shots at the rim. He's able to show other aspects of his offensive game that we haven't seen as much this year when he was starting because he just that wasn't his role. That wasn't his yeah. job on the offensive end. So I think that's why we've kind of seen a, a freer, a better, more active uh, Caleb Martin uh, since he's moved to the bench. Yeah, he's always been valuable, but now he's, uh, you know, his responsibilities in some way, it's like it's an odd thing, right, where you go from being a bench player to the starting lineup and your responsibilities kind of decline, right? Like you um, you go from being kind of their number two bench guy last year, right? Other than other than Tyler, he was, uh, I'd say, kind of their probably their second most important guy off the bench and a guy who could you know, was slashing a lot more. Uh, and then you go to the starting lineup, and as you said, you become, you know, when you're on the bench, Caleb Martin a lot of times is the second best guy on the court or third best guy, right? David Stagger, Jimmy and Bam sometimes. Um, when he goes into the starting lineup, he's pretty clearly the fifth, maybe not the fifth best player, but kind of the fifth most important because whether it's Gabe Vincent or Kyle, Lauer, the point guard just obviously will have the ball in his hands more. So, um do you like the move to, to him to the bench? I know we talked about that when it first happened. Like we, yeah. we were kind of like unsure about whether they were kind of trying to force something that they didn't need to force. Um, but have, have you liked that switch ultimately? Yeah, I mean, I see both sides of it because at first I was kind of surprised they did it because that starting, mm-hmm. starting lineup had was been good. so good. Yeah, and then you, Kevin Love's in there. It's only been whatever. I think Caleb, uh, Kevin Love played six games before he missed the last one with the rib injury. And that starting lineup had been pretty much a negative for the most part, other mm-hmm. than a few a game or two. Um, so that needs to get better. But theoretically, like Kevin Love in that starting lineup makes sense. So over the long run, you would think that'd be, be- that'd be a functional lineup. Um, and Caleb Martin off the bench, we've seen the results already. It, it is not as not going back to his natural position again because he is still playing a lot of four, but his more his more natural role on offense. That allows him to really play to his strengths, I think, that is probably the biggest part of that move. And why I've kind of been swayed a little bit and can kind of see why they made it, uh, because it really does kind of unleash uh, Caleb and maximize his skill set, you know, especially on the offensive end. I mean, look, last two games, last three games maybe, Caleb Martin's been the one closing games. Like, he's yeah, not starting right, games. Yeah, it doesn't matter that he's not starting. It's- yeah, Kevin Love isn't closing games. It's Caleb, um, and there's a reason for that. So Caleb is still... We said it too, like even when they made the move, like we said, Caleb is gonna play more minutes than Kevin Love, and that's hasn't even been close. That's, like, that's gonna yeah, be he the was case. Still, that's how true. He was still played the fourth or uh, fifth most minutes last night, um, even with Kevin Love out, Shrews went in the starting lineup. So like, that's that's gonna be his place, right? He's gonna be probably fourth yeah. or fifth team minutes most nights, depending. You know, they played Victor Oladipo a lot last night because he was kind of a hot hand. Played well, yeah. Um, and actually, last night was you know there there've not been a lot of games where you look at the final like plus minus numbers and the bench is the reason the team won and and last night was um you know no one was like crazy in terms of like super you know both both units it was a close game kind of throughout 
but the bench was was really good last night, and particularly Caleb and and Oladipo, and they helped them win a game that you know they haven't won games like that where maybe the starting you know usually the starting lineup has had to be kind of like dominant for them to uh, yeah. to hang on right. They would how many times do they built up an early lead and had to hang on down the stretch like. Um, Last night was the opposite. They they kind of, they rallied in the second half, and and then obviously Jimmy in closing time helps. But um, yeah, we saw some good good stuff from the bench. So that that's it's, we'll see if it yeah it's a trade off as we've said, but you do see the bench improve because of of that move. Sure, and they had fifty yeah like fifty nine bench points, and I think they entered as the second lowest scoring bench in the NBA. Yeah, Caleb is going to help with that, right? Are you always going to expect them to score fifty plus bench points? No. Are you going to expect Victor Oladipo to shoot? What do you do? Four, seven, Six, on threes yeah, four seven on threes. Yep. Probably not. Um, but you take it, right? When you can get it. And you know, last night on Monday against the Hawks, they made threes and the bench led them to the win, which has not been the case. That's not and been the right. That's the uh, and again we all. said it's the been the mo- it was the most efficient offensive performance of the year for them. Yeah. Um, uh, they hadn't hit a one thirty. Um, I was kind of shocked to see what they've only hit one thirty like twelve times in franchise history or something. I think. Really? Wow. Um, it has not been a lot, and it feels like teams are hitting that every night now. Um, yeah. Obviously, the scoring the is, is exploded, and it's the heat. And in this era, this new yeah. era where the scoring is way up, they have not. They're they're definitely a defensive-minded team. They they hit 131 other time this year, I think, is it? So, yeah, that was their second highest scoring game of the season. Yeah, they had 132 against the the Hornets. Um, just skimming through the back in November. So, um, yeah, it's. That's that wasn't the recipe to win, but it was like nice, you know, you, to be good in the NBA, you've got to have different ways you can win games, right? Sure. And um, you now you're seeing that that move gives them a, a different dimension. Um, Bam and, and Jimmy, you wrote about them staggering minutes uh, today. Uh, you can check that article out on MiamiHerald.com. Um, what do you think of that? It's not a, they've done it a little bit, obviously. But, Bam, sometimes we'll get that that chance. I feel like in the in the second, you know, Jimmy sometimes comes out. I think before Bam, if I'm thinking the rotations. Yeah. Um. Well, they they've gone back and forth, and, and yeah, and like they've cycled through a bunch of different different yeah. things. Even like separating Bam and Jim, Bam and Tyler in the rotation, which has kind right. of been weird, right? Because those two play so well together. Sometimes Bam is anchored the bench unit. Sometimes it's been Tyler. Sometimes it's been Jimmy. But the last two games, the noticeable shift has been Bam and Tyler coming out together first like in the five six minute mm-hmm. mark and jimmy staying in there for most of the first quarter with the bench unit and like basically being substituted out like with one minute left in the first quarter and and that's really limit like those non-bam and jimmy minutes which everyone complains about i know that have been really bad this year yeah they've basically been eliminated these last two games yeah like, like they played just, a minute at the end of the first quarter yeah that's it. At the end of the third quarter that's basically it the second half of the last two games either Bam or Jimmy were on the court at all times. Um, and then yep. last night it was just 26 seconds that you didn't have Bam, either Bam or Jimmy on the court. So that's interesting. I mean, will, will Spolstra always be able to do that? You know, they're probably not. Like against the Knicks, they needed to kind of match Bam's minutes against, you know, with Julius Randle. And that kind of changed the way they wrote, you know, they, they played the rotation a little bit. Uh, but I, I think this makes sense, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the thing is, Here's the challenge, right? Like you want to have you want to have either Bam or Jimmy on the court as much as possible, but the minutes with Bam and Jimmy both on the court have been great. Right. So, that's, so you want to yeah. maximize that too, but by staggering those minutes, you reduce the time they can play together. 
which is like the needle that he has to thread. And I think he's done it pretty well. Again, these last two games where I think they still have played like 22 minutes a game in these last two together. It's a little lower. Like I think it was like 25, 26 before when they were when they weren't mm-hmm. staggering as much. It was like four minutes less. But I think the trade-off is good because those minutes when they have like those three, four minute stretches even. Um, yeah, they've been like disastrous. They've been they've terrible. Been, like, yeah, they've yeah. been. I've been like, like a, a two point lead turns into an eight point deficit oh, in the last like, minute of the yeah first quarter or whatever. The, f- the first two games of the homestand, the two losses to Philly and New York, they were all scored by 17 points in those in 22 minutes without them on the court. Yeah, like that's you just can't afford that. So they've made a little adjustment. We'll see if it sticks. Um, but it has been interesting uh, to kind of see that you know how he's kind of navigated uh, the rotation he, and he's really like tried to again like he's tried to like different things all season. But it seems like this might stick, um, mm-hmm. not just because they've won two games, but just because it makes sense. And another aspect of it is you keep Bam and Tyler together. Like, all of Bam's minutes these last two games have come with Tyler Hero. And that makes a ton of sense because they play so well together. So yeah. just, it just fits to me. Yeah, and Jimmy can be the that specific split that you talk about, the Bam-Tyler kind of as one blob, and then Jimmy yeah. as his own thing, like, because Jimmy is kind of a one-man offense when he needs to be, sure. so it. Um, Especially if you put shooters around him, you put like yeah, exactly. Couple shooters around him, like that's yeah, that's gonna they, work. So they kind of have two identities they can work with. Um, and yeah, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I assume they'll stick with it for a little bit here at least. Um, so hopefully this won't be uh they won't have keep totally given up on it on Wednesday night, but yeah. uh, it makes a lot of sense and um again it's another reason why I think this team still probably believes they can give be tougher in the playoffs than they are in the regular season because you know you play Jimmy and Bam more minutes in the playoffs and, and like you said they've been really good in those uh those minutes they play together um should we close out with some uh quick UD talk I always love some UD talk sure. yeah all right what uh what, what are you most excited about for this four day four day UD celebration uh at the end of the year um, I think the coolest thing is that they're dedicating the sec- section 305 mm-hmm. in the arena to him. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like, but like the way it was described to us, it's like it just so happens that section 305 is against, I guess, I guess a wall, I guess, or maybe it's like close to section 400, which kind of is to the side of it. So they have that extra wall in that section mm-hmm. and it's going to be like pictures of UD and just stuff dedicated to him. And it's going to stay there forever. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a really cool tribute to him. Um, but, you know, th- that's not like those four days are going to be big. But the last regular season home game, too. Is, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think he's expected to address the crowd um, during these four days. I think that's going to come the last home game on April 9th against the Magic. Right. At least that's the expectation, probably. Um, and then whenever they retire his number, obviously, it's going to be a big deal. So mm-hmm. these four days are kind of just like the, the start right. of the celebration for Udonis' career. Yeah. Yeah. That last game. And it's cool. It's like an afternoon su- Sunday afternoon yeah. game. Like it, it's like kind of a perfect all like, Florida teams against the magic. Right. Like it's, it's like perfect. it would have, you know, it, it would have been cool no matter what. But if it was like a Tuesday yeah. night game or whatever, like and they happen to finish the season on the road, like I, I don't think it would be the same level of like, yeah. you know, it's going to be an event. Right. It's really going to be an event um, down here in, in South Florida that that last game. Um, hopefully. Hopefully the Heat are in position where it's not like a must must win. Yeah. And I mean I think UD will play in that game no matter what, right? Even if it is a must win. Um 
even if it's just yeah. a couple minutes. But like, wouldn't it be nice to like see him be able to play like 25 minutes in his last game? Yeah. I always think back, and and this is different, obviously. But like when Dwayne Wade's final game, they didn't, they weren't gonna make the playoffs. Like that was the last yeah. game of the year. It was in Brooklyn. Like Dwayne basically played almost the entire game, got a triple double. Like that was so fun. Like Udonis got yeah. in there for most of the game too, and like they did their like pick and roll a bunch of times, and that was. It, like obviously you wanted the team to make the playoffs, but that was cool that it gave them a chance to really just like go all out and not have to care about the results. So you would hope that by that game the Heat are kind of in position, and it doesn't mean, you know, like the difference between yeah. the playing and well, not. That's the problem. Is it that's if, like if, yeah. six seven or uh, if six seven if there's no play-in, do they really care? Yeah. But now they kind of have to care if they're uh, tied with Brooklyn going into the last day yeah. of the season uh, for the. It season. could be. It could. It could be a really important game. So yeah. I mean, UD is still going to get on it no matter what. It just and I'm sure he's going to play no matter what, right? I'm sure yeah, he'll play a couple of minutes. Right. But it might determine how much he plays, right? How, right. how important that game is. But they let him chase a double double or something. I don't know. I don't know about a triple double for UD, but uh, that'd be, maybe that'd like, be a maybe story. Like, maybe like a 12 and 10 for UD. I think he'd be the oldest player in NBA history to get a triple double at that point, right? I have to assume so. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's. Look, I, I know UD, like, he's kind of a lot of flack for, like, staying around so long. But he's he's awesome. Like, I, I love UD. Like, the way he <laughs> kind of represents Miami and yeah. always has represented Miami. Um, and just everything he does for the community. It's just it's just really cool uh, to see. And he's someone that's going to um, be around forever. Like, he's going to be around this organization forever. Yeah, like, Whether, he's not moving. I know he wants to go. Like, like you know, no. no disrespect to Dwayne Wade for deciding to move out of Miami. But, like, he was not from Miami like UD where like where is UD gonna go he's not gonna move to LA in retirement or something like no, no. he's He'll always be here. Broward County where he is now Broward it's County. not a real uh Miami anymore yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tell him that but <laughs> yes it's true um but yeah like he, whether it's a uh, part owner like he wants to be or just yeah working for the team or just around the team like he's always gonna be around yeah and the Heat have always been very good about letting alumni Keep giving yeah. alumni roles within the organization, like even Jawan, you know, Jawan Howard, obviously, even Shane Battier was right. Like, it's not like Chris Quinn. it's like a heat legend. Anthony Carter. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah he's he's like, this is the end of his playing career, but this is not the end of his like relationship with the heat. That's going to be for a long, long time. When do they, I assume, well, they just retire the jersey next year. So like we really get to push the UD celebration into the next season too. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. I think Dwayne was the following year. I, think so I, don't was. See, I don't see why they'd wait for Udonis is that they already know. I think even Chris Bosch was like pretty soon after. He, no, not, not, he officially retired because it took yeah. him a long time to officially retire, I think. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Like it took a little bit longer because that he was he retired, like had to kind of bury the hatchet with the heat a little yeah. bit, too. And that happened. Yeah. It was like I remember he had a whole like he read a book or something or put out a podcast or like there was a whole a yeah. whole bunch of things happened at one time. And it, the Bosch retirement came in there, too. Yeah, and it happened fast. Like once that happened, like they retired his number like months later. So I, yeah, I would assume Udonis will get that, be honored in that way next season at some point. Yeah. So really, we get a a UD celebration coming up here in the next month, basically. Yeah, the retirement will be actually the day this goes up exactly a month away will be his his last regular season game. So, uh, but obviously they're gonna play some playoff games too, and at least some at home unless they totally collapse here. So. Not expecting to play in those playoff games necessarily, but but it won't be the end of UD. Uh, no. That celebration will keep going into the playoffs and into next season. Um, so I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. 
Um, got these last two home games and then heading up to Orlando. Are you making the taking a flight, driving? What are, what are you doing to get up there? I'm not doing that Orlando. Oh, you're not game. doing it. Yeah, we're skipping it, but I will skipping be covering it. from home. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Oh, right, because then they come right back home. So yeah, uh, a big, really big stretch here. Four home games out of the next five. Um, got to get some wins. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, mostly on Panthers. They're in the middle of a playoff hunt as well. Um, stressful time around South Florida sports, uh, except for the Miami Hurricanes, I guess. Although it'll obviously March Madness will always get stressful. So I'm I'm pretty pumped for uh, this week of college basketball and and into next week. I think. Miami being good, my my Maryland biases, them being pretty good. It's I, I finally like kind of gotten disenchanted with college basketball for a couple of years, but I, I'm back in. It's been a fun season there too. So uh, some good basketball. Um, yeah, I think I'm that's ex- about it. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what the Hurricanes can do. This this is one of the better, obviously one of the better teams in yeah. program history. Like yeah, it's right there. I think with the Shane Larkin yeah team that is probably Reggie the Jackson standard yeah. of the uh, like current era. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Anthony, thanks for doing this. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week.